Why not grab a coffee or a Diet Coke or a Christian drink of your choice and head for your favorite recliner. safety of our listeners and everyone else on the road please keep your hand on the steering wheel and we'll travel this journey together and by the way if you haven't given this podcast a five-star rating now's a great time god bless Poitrus with Poitrus Ponderings Podcast. I am so excited because I am in a virtual studio today. One of our guests is joining us from her classroom, fifth grade classroom. Another one is joining us from her home in Arkansas. And I'm also here tucked in the corner of my bedroom here in St. Louis. And I'm also very excited because we have the one and only Melinda Poitras, the author of He Said, She Said podcast about the books and the bros. She'll have to explain a little bit more of that, and she's going to introduce our great guest today. Over to Melinda. I hate to be contradictory, but I'm not going to explain a little bit more about that. Why don't you guys go over to He Said, She Said and check the podcast out for yourselves. I am so excited today that I get to be here with two of the most important people in my life. Obviously, my dad is here, but today we have as our guest, Celinda Nickel, who is the most extraordinary person that I know. I don't just say this because she's my mentor and my best friend. Um, I also say it because <laughs> she's hilarious, which she's making me laugh through this video screen right now. Um, so intelligent, so godly, so anointed. And uh, there is no Melinda without Celinda. So I'm just grateful that she's here today. Celinda, we're here to talk about an event that happened in your life when actually was the date of your aneurysm. Remind me. First of all, I want to say that I am so beyond honored to be with you guys. Like when I heard that you all are doing a podcast, I was screaming and jumping and that was just the beginning of what I did. So thank you for having me. Um, it was August 11th and um, it was 2017. This year will make a year um, anniversary on that. And so that's, that's when it was, it was on a Friday evening that it actually happened. Yes. So tell me about your life pre aneurysm. What was going on before that day? Wow. So it was such a busy season and I look at it now and I'm like, you know what? Someone should have taken out those batteries and let you just stop for a second. But, um, I am pretty like 
directional and very motivated, like have backup lists for my to do list and all that. So um, we had just come through a global connections weekend at our church, which if you've never had one at your church, you need to, because it's incredible. So many people were called into missions that weekend. Um, and then I was getting ready to go into school of missions, which is a training uh, two, two week period for our missionaries and their kids. And so Melinda and I and Barrick Willoughby were actually heading up those classes and And I remember getting all of those things ready. And it's so strange because it was on a Friday, Friday, and I felt compelled to put everything in my dining room for those classes. So everything was done. Everything was put in one area, which I never do. And um, it was all just kind of sitting there. Um, one of the things that happened to a lady in our church that day is that she was driving down the road and as she was driving down the road, the Lord gave her a scripture and it was just so uh, powerful to her because she didn't know what was going on or why the Lord was giving her scripture, but she started feeling God's presence so strong that she pulled over. And the scripture was, may the God of all grace who called you into his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. And so she said she was crying, speaking in tongues, praying, and saying, God, whoever this is for, just let that be. Let this be a time that is going to do this in their life. Wow. So what happened that day? So, um, John and I were in, and Emma were actually going to pizza hut, which I should have known something was already wrong because that is never my choice to go to from there. Um, <laughs> I was supposed to teach, we have a Bible school uh, called purpose Institute in our church. And so we were going to rush and have a, a quick bite together. And then I was going to go teach, had my session together for that. And, um, when I pulled out, I told them goodbye after we got done eating and I pulled out and I was driving and they saw my car jerk and um john says that he remembers thinking she maybe is texting which i will say to you do not text and drive i do not normally do this but that is what he thought um and so what what was actually happening is that i was having a brain aneurysm that ruptured in my brain while i was driving and the only thing I can tell you is that the angels of the Lord had to drive me the next uh, mile and a half to two miles. And they, because I know it is the angels of the Lord because they parked me in a parking spot, which Celinda, even on a good day, does not do that very well. And um, I went through the history of my phone from what we can tell just by looking at what was done. I went through the history of my phone and just kept hitting buttons of people to call. And I called Sienna. Finally, she picked up and I said, which is my oldest daughter. And I said, my head is hurting. My head hurts. She kept asking me, where are you? And I just said, my head hurts. And she could hear that I was, you know, throwing up and and all of that. So um, she found me. She actually found me on an app called Life360, which side note, I had gotten to spy on her and her dating uh, life. And, you know, where is my daughter at all times? So parents, this maybe will help you. <laughs> but um, she found me on that. She could see where I was. She came and got me called the ambulance and they took me immediately into the ER. 
um, when I went into the emergency room, you know, went through a lot of assessment while I was sitting there, I will tell you this, this is so funny. I was going through and now I don't remember any of this cause you know, it's, it was a lot happening in my brain at that time, but I was telling them, I was giving them a list of people to call. I was saying, please call Jim Poitras and tell him that I probably won't be made to school admissions because he is the principal over that. And I, I was like, please call Barrick and Melinda, let them know that they're going to have to handle the class alone, at least the first couple of days. And then, um, you know, just different friends to please call to pray and, and different things like that. So my brain was doing my to-do list while my body was shutting down. So I find that kind of funny. I mean, we've got to laugh, right? Life is life is too short, as I was finding out. So during that time period, um, they were making assessments as to what was going on in my body. My my brain was actively bleeding. Um, what had happened is that an aneurysm is like a blood vessel that actually ruptures. An aneurysm, uh, you know, is is just a weakened blood vessel, and then it can rupture. And so that's what was happening. So my brain was bleeding. I was having seizures. Um, and then I was having vasospasms, which are seizures in your brain that, uh, during the time period. So they were like, what are we going to do to fix this? So they finally, that weekend had a surgery, um, where they put in a coil and then because later on, because of the fluid that was building up, they had to drill a hole in my head and put in, um, a shunt to be able to release that fluid. And then, um, I had to go back later on and have another surgery where I had a stent put in my bar. I had a stint put in and then another coil. So several surgeries. Um, during this time, the main concern was to hydrate my brain. And I do not know all these terminology. I wish I was a doctor at this point to kind of help you clarify, but they wanted to make sure that my brain was properly hydrated. So they kept pumping water and pumping me with fluids, not water, that was like Kool-Aid. I'm pretty sure it was Kool-Aid. No, I'm kidding. It was, uh, they kept pumping me full of liquids and to the point of my body um, had gained 30 to 40 pounds of just this liquid. And then they were like, oh, we have a new problem. Now her lungs are failing. And so that was the second major thing. So the first thing was to get me through the rupturing of the brain aneurysm and get my body like normalized. And then when they kind of got that a little bit under control with the drain tube and the surgeries, then they're like, now what do we do? Because her lungs are failing her. And, um, I was intubated and on, uh, life support as we're hearing so much about nowadays, you know, the machines that they need, that's what I was on. I was on a ventilator and, um, it was doing the major lifting and the hard work. And so I can't even imagine what people are going through nowadays, not being able to be next to their loved one while they're on a ventilator. And just the, the horror of that, you know, my, my family was so blessed that they could be there, you know, during the time slots. And I, when I was in ICU, they could let them come in, but we really as a church need to pray for those people that are going through this and they can't be with their loved ones. Um, yes. and my mind has gone to so many during this time period. So that's kind of what my body was going through. My doctors, um, were really having their own religious experience and, um, met several of them after I kind of came back to normal and we'll talk, I think we're Melinda, we might have to have a whole other session because it's, yeah. That happened spiritually and then there's physically. So the Lord was really directing their steps. And so um, I feel like if you are in the medical profession, you are not just there. You are there as a representation of Jesus Christ. And that is a calling of God on your life. And 
I cannot tell you people that because of the prayers of God's people, they were directed by God and how to keep yes. alive during those moments. So thank you for all that you do because you are, you're, I mean, what you do is a calling and a gifting of God, just like a minister. Yes, that's right. What was the church doing while all of this was going on? Wow. So the church is, you know, I live, breathe, eat, sleep church and, and God's people. And that is my family. And so, you know, the church just surrounded me and my family with prayer. And I think of a lady in our church that's so precious. She would come every lunch hour and pull into the parking lot of the hospital that I was in and pray for me during her lunch hour. And this was not, I wasn't in for like five seconds and like, okay, you got a shot in your arm going home. This is like, over a two month period that she was coming and just interceding there in the parking lot for me and nations that were having days of fasting and prayer and people that I had met in every continent um, that were just standing together and praying with me. So this is nothing but a God-sized miracle. This is nothing to do with me. This is nothing to do with my family. This is the body of Christ and the people of God standing together and praying. My local church, oh, what a support they were to my family. And, you know, my daughter actually went to college during this time period. And, you know, the Lord told me in spring, everything that you see for her for college, go ahead and get it. And I thought, oh, we must be really going through a financial crisis, which we did lose our air conditioner, roof, washer, dryer, dishwasher, all of that during that spring as well. But um, I had no idea that the you know, that I wouldn't be able to buy those things with her. And so the Lord had me set up for a win because I was already there for all of those moments. But my daughter drove to college and um, by herself, you know, her dad and her sister went and just the body of Christ that was standing behind them in prayer. And so I think, especially nowadays, people are like, oh, what's the big deal? It's church. I can go to online church. You have to have the body of Christ. Do you understand yes. that is your life support? Like, it's great that you can tag in online and it's great that you can give Jesus a high five or your pastor a high five online. But when those doors open, it is so important to be there because that is your body. That is your sustaining force. And so that's what I really saw come to life in my own life. And then the international family, I've worked with missionary kids for about 20 years and every missionary, every MK, just writing notes and praying and um, just, oh, I don't want to get emotional if I think about it just the the prayers of God's people around the world and um I know that's why I'm alive today so don't ever question your position in church don't ever question your relevance and actually what you're doing for the body because we are vital we have to have each other to survive this thing I and mean, we have to have each other that's so true. And the Lord is so gracious. I remember you had said we were at that Global Connections weekend right before, and we had ended a service, and you were leading the altar call, and you were singing Travis Green's You Made a Way. Um, you move mountains, you cause the walls to fall with your power perform miracles. There's nothing that's impossible. And I'm standing here only because you made a way and you sang it over and over. Like you sang it past the point where I was done worshiping. And I was like, why are we still in this altar singing this song? And so during that time, 
I knew that the Lord was going to heal you. I knew the Lord was going to give us a miracle because you had drilled it into my head yourself. And uh, he's just so good. The Lord is so good. Anyway, you woke up though. Tell us about that. I woke up. So they, they uh, spoke to John and, and um, my family and they were, they're like, we're going to get her off this ventilator. We're going to try. So the first time they tried, it wasn't a really good smooth day. And so they said, we're going to try again later. And so finally the day came where they felt like I was going to be strong enough to sustain myself. And um, they said, don't expect her to be able to, you know, do too much or talk or, um, and I didn't realize that I had been intubated so long that my vocal cords would not be able to sustain me. And so they said because of the time of intubation that even if we do put a plug in her uh, in her tube that she can use it to speak, that she might not be able to speak. And so, um, you know, I woke up and I kind of looked around and everybody was just looking at me and sobbing. And I was like, I don't know where I am, but this must be like a really horrible situation. Yes. <laughs> you know, because... I had my own world of what was going on and then there was the reality of what was going on and so um, you know everybody was just just so delighted and then John came they called John in and and um, you know Sienna was already in college and Emma was there when she got done from school and um, the Lord the Lord just it was just a miracle and uh, when they finally did give me you know a speaking tube a valve that I could speak I could speak immediately which was such a, a God thing and um, you know I, I wanted to know how missionary kids were doing like that was my first <laughs> that was my first concern like how are the missionary kids and going into all that but um, it was a, and then it became the process then of how do I go from laying in a bed for two and a half months to actually getting up? Like you've got, you can't continue to lay in bed anymore. You have got to get up. So I would say the recovery process, like I had forgotten how I didn't know how to write. So at first, before I had gotten that tube out, they were like, you can just write things. And it looked like Chinese or hieroglyphics. I feel like I could have probably written to Moses and he would have understood, but we could not. And so um, I did not know how to write anymore. I did not know how to use a phone. I did not know how to, my mom left a tablet for me. She's like, you can watch the live stream of church when I'm, when I'm leaving. And I didn't know how to use the iPad. Um, and so they're like, okay, you're going to sit up. And I'm like, yes, I am. And I'm like, I don't know how to do that. So they had to walk me through the process of sitting up. And then one day they're like, you are going to stand. And I said, yes, I am. I don't know how to stand. <laughs> so, you know, it's amazing what your brain, like what you don't retain when you don't lose or use, you lose it. So um, you know, just as a child, they taught me and, um, I'll never forget the first time when I was standing up, I looked like one of those, you know, like a calf when it comes, when it's born and it's just wobbling. I was a weeble wobble, but I didn't fall down. And, um, that's for all of you that are old, like me, you can get that reference. Melinda's like, I don't know, weeble wobbles or any of that, but you know, the older people are going to enjoy that Melinda. I'm here for them as well. I'm representing them. Um, anyway, so when I was, I was standing up 
you know, I just couldn't believe like everything I did. There's so many people around like crying, <laughs> crying or clapping and cheering. And I didn't realize that the Lord had knit that staff into my soul and the work that he was doing, even with, with the staff and myself. And so finally there came that moment where I started walking, you know, down the, down the, um, the hall and they were out cheering for me. And, you know, it was just one of those things. So the Lord really just increased. Once I started standing up, once I started moving around, it's like he started bringing things back to my brain. He started increasing my strength. And I think I was really like living out that scripture of they that wait upon the Lord to renew their strength because he was increasing it so rapidly. And it was because of the prayers of God's people. Um, and so I was, I was told that I would never, they told my family that first of all, Oh, let me tell you this. The, I had no hair in the back of my head. So this is kind of a personal thing for girls. You know how important hair is. I mean, I'm sure guys are kind of attached to their hair too, or detached however old they are. Used to be attached. Yes. <laughs> remember these days um so they had removed me from the from the icu to a step down unit and they had put on the board that you know like my hair was gone in the back and that it wasn't you know they told they told them my hair was not going to come back in the back of my head and so um i had hair a little bit of hair here you know some of it had been shaved off it was all different it was kind of like a big mixture but anyway uh, they said it's not going to come back well i am sporting a ponytail today and i can whip my hair back and forth and that is the power of god and just the things that they said i would never be able to do um the lord has done exceedingly abundantly so they sent me help they said i was going to go to rehab and actually i ended up coming home my doctor came in one day and he said you know what are you ready to go home and i'm like yes sir i understand i have to go to rehab now I had plenty of you know rehabilitation in the hospital I had brain rehabilitation I had all kinds of rehab in the hospital but they were going to send me to a rehab center but then they said you know what we're just going to send you home that's where you're going to heal the most and um that was just overwhelming to me and it was it was so beautiful because the Lord had given someone in my district a vision of the day that I was coming out of that hospital. And both of my daughters, one of my daughter would be on one side and one on the other. And, you know, that's with so many people that he had told that to had held on to. And then the day when I was actually down waiting for the car to pick me up and stand, or sitting in that wheelchair and my daughter's on either side. And she drove down from Urshan that day to uh, to be there when I got released from the hospital. So if the Lord, I just want to tell you, if the Lord has given you ever a vision or a dream or a promise and you haven't seen that fulfilled, he is going to do that. His words, they don't return void to him. And so hold on to that no matter, no matter where you are in that journey. Um, so I came home and I was very overwhelmed and they say that this is such a normal thing with any kind of traumatic brain injury that your emotions are, are, are kind of off kilter. And I was worried. I will tell you, we have tiny little miniature dachshunds. I was worried that they could knock me over. That's <laughs> and they probably could have, cause I was pretty weak. I was like a piece of celery that had a walker in front of me. You know I mean? I was pretty, I was pretty weak, but the Lord daily was strengthening me. And, um, I'll never forget the day that John had to leave. Now I was on like 12 different medications or took medicine like 12 times a day. I had a little chart because I didn't, and up until then I took a multivitamin. I didn't know even the procedure of taking medication. So John left and he was going to go get another, um, 
a medication for me. And so up until then I had never been left alone in the house. And so, um, I had figured out by then how to use Instagram and I was listening to Bethel, uh, Jonathan Walker had this new song on and it was a uh, Waymaker. And so I was in the living room with my phone and it was like, Waymaker, miracle worker, you know, and I was, and I was like, yes, he is a way maker. And so I had my walker and I'm telling you, even when I don't see it, I feel, and all of this, and I, there became a moment where I set that walker aside in my living room and I walked without any support. And it was just, it was me and Jesus in worship that got me across that living room. And it was such a powerful moment. And I think about that because so many of you are like, well, if I could just be at this location, then I can have a powerful moment with God. God meets you in such a powerful way in your home, in your living room. You know, his presence is there sustaining you wherever you are. And so you, the key to that is getting in his presence. And we have that responsibility to get into his presence. And so um, there became just a transition. I could see God myself just working and moving. And, um, that was pretty powerful. That was a great day. So then there came a time where I had, I I was like able to go back to church and I was very scared to go back again. The anxiety, they say that people that have gone through traumatic things, it's anxiety being around people. And I came in a little bit late and sat in the bath and just to be with God's people was just, it was a Wednesday night, but I was, I was sitting there just overwhelmed that these people loved me that much, number one, but number two, that we could come together and feel the presence of God together. And that was, that was overwhelming. So I don't know, Melinda, I think, I think this whole thing has kind of taught me the importance of the body of Christ, the importance of trust. Um, I will tell you this and the importance of Please, if you do not journal in, in your devotional time, please do. Because the morning that I will, this is a really weird way to wrap this up. But the morning that I um, had this happen in my life, I was reading the scripture. The Lord led me to trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not unto your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. He will direct your paths or he will make your path straight. And uh, this is what the Lord told me that day. He said, I see you with your hands up saying, pick me choose me, but I say to you, put your hands down and trust me. And I had no idea. I had no idea the battle and the journey that I was going through, but I can truly say that after that, I can say that I do trust the Lord. And I look back at that scripture that, you know, that sister was given on that day that I had the brain aneurysm. And he said that he was going to perfect establish, strengthen, and settle you. And I can truly say that out of all of the things in my life, I can look at those four things. And that process, it lasted about a year before, and Melinda knows this, I was not normalized while because of the, I think just because of all the medications and, you know, my brain coming back into kilter, but he did. He perfected me, and I am. I that is a process that's still going on daily. Please don't say that I've arrived, but I mean, he is establishing and strengthening, and he is settling me. And so, I don't know what trouble you're going through today. I don't know the battle, and all I can say is, for those of you that are saying "Why me?" I'm going to say to you, "Why not you?" Because the scriptures say that I may know him. And the fellowship of his suffering. And there's nothing like going through 
something to know the Lord and what an honor it is to have that kind of fellowship with him and to be able to experience those moments in prayer and to experience just that closeness of the Lord as he draws you close. That is when you can feel his heartbeat and you know, you know, that is what he's feeling. And so I want to say to you, he is doing the work. He has not left you. He's even closer than ever. And um, he's establishing you. You know, it might look bad today. I'm, I'm sure that when I gained that 30 to 40 pounds of of water weight in my body, it was so much my hands looked like they were exploding and my mouth couldn't even close anymore. But that looked really bad. But he was doing the work even in the middle of a messy, ugly situation. And so God is doing that in your life today. It may not be physically, it might be spiritually, it might be emotionally, but he is He is doing the work. Don't doubt that. Yes. It was a terrible idea to expect me to be the person that is able to talk after that. But I am just so grateful for your life and all the ways that it continues to impact mine. And just the picture that you have been to me the entire time that I've been living of the faithfulness of God. There's a lot to be grateful for today. Amen. That's for sure. I do want to say this. Why don't we just pause and pray for those that are going through situations? Because I feel like there's people that are listening today that are pretty, pretty drastic. And they're saying that why me? But I want to tell you, God is with you. Whatever you're going through, God is with you today. And I want us to pray over those people that that are listening. God, I just, I thank you so much that you in all of your wisdom, God, you are doing a great work in our lives. Your glory is shining out of each and every one of us. God, there is absolutely no telling what you are getting ready to do out of lives that are listening to this. There is no telling the changes and the great things, the people that you're attaching to them, God, the way that you're going to move in their cities. And I thank you. The fact that you would choose us, God, the honor of being chosen by you just goes beyond all of our understanding. And I pray, oh God, today that you would give us the a strength and a connection to you. Give us a peace, God. Give us a strength. I pray that every day that you will lead us in the path to go, but always keep us close to you. And I thank you for it, God. God, we're so honored to know you. We're honored to have fellowship yes. with you. Lord, we will be done in the name of Jesus. We pray that you would strengthen and encourage our listeners today in the name of Jesus Christ. We bless you. glory. Thank you so much, Sister Celinda. Uh, Already throughout this podcast, which has gone on for about 29 minutes now, I have felt the presence of the Lord so many times and have given the two thumbs up over and over again because I feel like the Lord is going to minister to those people uh, that have been listening and will be listening to this podcast. And I really appreciate you sharing your your heart, and also ministering to us today. And I know that the story isn't over, and we are going to go ahead and pause so that we can go on to part two of our podcast, which will probably be aired the next time. So we'll do uh, this particular segment of the podcast as one, and then come back 
next week with a different set. Uh, we call this the Poitras Ponderings Podcast, where we pause and ponder and we project. And there's nothing like pausing and pondering in his presence and allowing the Lord to speak to us and speak through us. Well, that's it for this week's episode of the Portress Ponderings Podcast. Please join us again next week for another exciting and informative episode. Thank you for listening. Thank you.